Well, this week I had to call uh, one of those customer service lines to deal with the customer service issue, and uh, I got a lady on the other end, and, uh, you know, I, I, sometimes I feel bad for people who are on the phones all day because they have to deal with just really difficult people, and so I try to be a nice person to them. So I'm making small talk with the lady, and it comes up that we have six kids, and, and I sort of wear that as a badge of honor sometimes. And she goes, oh, that's great. I'm one of six, and my husband's one of 15. And I went, whoa, that's a lot of kids. I mean, just think about that, 15 kids. I can't even imagine what that would be like. I know the chaos of my house. How do you cook for that many kids? And, you know, let alone, you probably don't ever clean. Like, it's just one constant state of disaster. You know, how would you do that? And then I started to think, you know, where are all those... I mean, if I had 15 kids, where would they all sleep? And, you know, how, how did, I was wondering, how did that family get to, I mean, is she, she just cranking out a kid every 12 to 14 months? Or were there triplets in there? Or did they adopt some? Or how did this work? How did you get to 15? And just thinking about the chaos of all of that. And that reminds me a little bit of what happened in Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, right before what Laura read today, Peter, remember, preached this great sermon on the day of Pentecost. And in verse 41, right leading up to what Laura read, those who accepted Peter's message that day about the gospel were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. 3,000. The church to this point was 120 people. If you, if you total like all the nursery and kids' life and everyone in here, a lot of Sundays we get to about 120 people. Can you imagine in one day a church going from 120 to 3,000? I mean, it would, one, on the one point we go, that would be awesome. I mean, that would be amazing. Where would we put them all? You know, down the hallways and, you know, we'd have some outside and it would be great. And then, but think about the challenges of that. 120 to 3,000. I mean, because this isn't just about, they're not just packing the temple or the synagogue. They're actively trying to figure out how they're going to disciple these people and help them become followers of Jesus. How do you do that? That's 25 new people for every one person that was currently in the church. I mean, this is a serious problem. What do you do with all these new people? What would we do? The answer is what we would enfold them into the family and teach them to follow Jesus. That's what we would do, because that's what we do. We bring people into our family, and we teach them to follow Jesus. In Acts chapter 2, I, I learned something this week that I've never seen before in the hundreds of times that I've read this passage. And it's really fascinating. It forms, helps form the structure of where I want, uh, want to go with the message today. In Acts chapter four, in 2, verse 42, we have these little, your Bible probably has it, mine does, it's a little subheading, the fellowship of believers or something like that. And you look at that and we forget sometimes that those little things weren't in the Bible when it was written. And so we sort of assume new thought, but it's not a new thought. 3,000 were added to their midst that day. They devoted themselves. Who's they? It's the new believers. 3,000 new believers, they're the ones that devoted themselves. They devoted themselves to the teaching, the fellowship, the breaking of bread, and to prayer. The new believers were. So now think about this. Think about this. The church 
goes from 120 to 3,000. And what's the first thing they do with basically 3,000 new believers? The very first thing they do is they figure out how to disciple them. They connect people to the family of Christ. The very first thing they do is connect people with the family of Christ. And that's the first thing that I want to talk about today is, is connecting people to the family of Christ. How do we do this? How do we disciple people? How do we connect them to the family? I love this passage. And one of the things I love about Waukee Community Church is there is a commitment amongst us to really care and disciple people. How do we connect them to the family? Now, we recognize that some people may not want this, and this might not be for everybody. But we have a commitment to truly connect people to our family. I love what God is doing at Waukee Community Church. You know, we've talked, you've probably seen the emails about this vision team that we've put together. The elders has assembled this vision team. And the purpose of the vision team has been to kind of evaluate what's, what's the context that God has put us in in Waukee. And then at Waukee Community Church, what are our abilities? Who are we? And then the last piece is, there's, there's three pieces. The last piece is, what are we passionate about? What are our leaders passionate about? And so you bring this local predicament together with our collective potential and a passion of our leaders, and we begin to see what we're, what, what we're really about. What specifically has God called? It's really, it's been fun. And, you know, one of the things that uh, we did early on with the vision team, with the 10 of us that are on that team, is, uh, and Laura's Hag- Hager is leading us through that process, and and uh, because God's given her this unique set of abilities to do that with us all. And, and so we went around, and the very first thing we did is said, what do you love about Waukee Community Church? Why are you here? You know, that's a great question. It's not one that I would have thought to, to ask, you know, because, you know, sometimes I get a little negative and, and think, well, well, I don't know why they'd be here because they got this weird pastor. Why would anyone come for this, right? And uh, what I loved is the responses around around the room, there was this unifying theme that people who are part of Waukee Community Church love people, they love relationships, and they love this family idea. Um, There's a love for Jesus. People genuinely care about others. Did you know that you all are the greatest asset that we have? You are. You're the greatest asset that we have at Waukee Community Church because you all love people. I love that. I love that this is a church that just loves and cares about people. And we connect them. So how do we connect people to the family? How do we connect other people to our family? Well, how did the early church do this? 3,000 new believers. How did they do it? The very first thing they did is they connected them to the apostles' teaching. They said they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Now, the apostles' teaching, remember, was handed down from Jesus. These apostles spent a lot of time with Jesus, and Jesus had been teaching them. He had been pouring into them for three-plus years. They had learned from Jesus. They knew Jesus' teaching, and so they didn't have the Scriptures, the New Testament like we have, so they took the Old Testament, and they said, here's what Jesus taught us. Jesus taught us to use these scriptures like this. Here's the things that Jesus taught us. This is what Jesus said. The apostles' teaching, they began to unfold this. Acts doesn't tell us what they taught. Acts just tells us that they taught. 
You know what tells us what Jesus taught? We have the Gospels, these four accounts of Jesus' life that work us through and tell us what the things that Jesus taught were. That's why we love the Word of God here. At Waukee Community Church, to get people connected, to say, we want to pull you into our family, and the first thing we want to do is point you to God's Word. God's Word is really, really, really important to us. We want people to know that we love the Word. And if you want to grow as a follower of Jesus, this is your choice right here. This is it. It's got what God, everything we need for life and godliness is here. And so we point to this and we say, as a family, this is important. We want to dig into this. So they connected to the apostles' teaching. They also connected to the fellowship. Now, this is this word that we like to throw around called koinonia. They connected people to the fellowship, the koinonia. It's, it's kind of a, a Greek word that people have heard, but nobody knows what it really means. And sometimes when we think of fellowship, we think of potluck. And we think of meatballs and fried chicken. And that's what we think of when we think of fellowship. But you know what? Uh, fellowship was so much more than that. The New Testament uses the word fellowship in two ways. This word koinonia. It's fellowship with each other, but it's also fellowship with God. Did you know you have and I have fellowship with God through Jesus? That koinonia we have with God. In 1 Corinthians, that same word is used about the Lord's Supper. That when we participate in the, the body and blood of Jesus, that we have connection, fellowship with God. And so I love what the early church did with new believers. They connected them with the word of God and with the fellowship because they recognized that these two things are linked. If someone wants to, to blossom in that connection with God, they need people. They need to bring others into this. I love that there's this intentional effort of the early church to bring people into the fellowship. Um, I love it that I'm watching this happen all over our church. You know, one of our life groups recently, uh, I got a phone call from a lady who wanted a Wednesday night service. And I said, well, we don't have Wednesday night services. We do have life groups. And she said, I want to come to one of those. Okay. So I called up one of our life groups and I said, hey, um, I've got a lady who wants to come to a life group tonight. Can she come to yours? Absolutely, you know, bring her on in. And so they, bring her, they brought her in. They loved on her. They heard her story and where she's at. And uh, I just love that. There's this idea we know if we want to bring people in, if we want to have this fellowship, that we bring them into the fellowship. Uh, we talk a lot around here about connect, equip, and send. That's what we're doing. We're connecting people. We're equipping people. And then we're sending people back to the worlds in which they live. I, I, as I've been processing through what does it mean to be the church, I've, been, I've had this idea of a washing machine going around in my head. You know, uh, when Clarissa and I, uh, when our washing machine broke, which didn't surprise me because as much laundry as we do, these things have a limited lifespan, right? And so when the washing machine broke, we went to Lowe's and we were looking at washing machines and I said to the guy, what's the biggest one you have? We're just going to start right there. So most capacity, give me the biggest one you had. And so it was actually a top-loading one, and we looked down into it, and I mean, it's like a cavern down in there, you know? It's probably, you could get like three normal loads in this thing, and we fill it up all the time. And you know, when I, it's amazing when I'm, it's got a glass top so you can watch it as it's spinning, and so we 
you know, for like the first week, I'd catch one of the kids or me just staring at the washing machine, watching it work, you know. Nothing better to do, we're staring at the clothes. And, uh, you know, you see this washing machine and it's all these clothes packed in there with this water and the soap. And it's just stirring it and mixing it and agitating it. All these clothes around. And the thing about our washing machine is that however it's designed, it doesn't have one of those agitators up in the middle. The clothes agitate each other. The clothes clean each other. Isn't that a great picture of the church? We're going to agitate each other into the kingdom, right? You know? No, it's this, this idea is that we are in this fellowship or community with one another. So as we connect, we're equipping and changing and transforming each other. And it's messy. And sometimes it's not pretty, but it's life on life. But that's what the early church was doing. And you, you have probably seen pictures of washing machines in the old day where it was one piece of clothing at a time and you ran it remember you ran them through the ringer i don't know if you've ever seen a photo or a picture of that uh one at a time and that's not the church the church is all of us together in fellowship helping each other become more like jesus so we connect people through the to the family of christ through the word of god and through fellowship and then we get to the breaking of bread in verse 42 the breaking of bread. Really here, this, the idea I think behind this is, is the Lord's Supper. That there is an intentional connection. What is it about the Lord's Supper that is so essential for bringing people, new people and connecting them and helping them become followers of Jesus? It's essential because the Lord's Supper, every time we do this, is a reminder of the gospel. It's a reminder of the good news. It's a reminder that Jesus spread out his arms and he shed his blood for us. And that no matter what a big screw up we are, our sins are covered over by the blood of the cross. And so when they broke bread, when they pointed to the Lord's Supper, when they took that cup, the gospel was something they lived with. And this is one of the ways that we pull new people we pull people and can pull people into our family. We have a heart to do this as we say, this is important. We connect them to the breaking of bread. And then lastly, so we had the word, the fellowship, the breaking of bread. And then lastly, prayer. Prayer. You know, you bless people when you pray for them. That's one of the greatest gifts you can give somebody is to just stop and say, can I pray for you? Can I pray for you right now? Uh, man, there was a, a couple weeks ago... Uh, I was doing something, and it was after the service, and I was running around the corner trying to uh, get find something, and I ran around the corner, and I ran into three ladies just praying together. I had no idea what was going on. One of them had a need. The other two had come around her and prayed for her. I didn't need to know. All I knew is that this is a picture of how the body of Christ is supposed to work. You know, you bless someone who's outside the family by praying for them. You just bless them. Sometimes it's just, I will pray for you because I realize it would be awkward for everyone right now if I stopped and prayed for you right now. Sometimes you have an opportunity to go, let me just pray for you right now. Very few people are going to go, oh, no, I don't want prayer. It's a way we pull people in to the family. The word, the fellowship, the breaking of bread, prayer. That's what they did with the new believers. We connected them through that. 
And what happened in 43? Everyone. And I think that word everyone is pointing to the whole world. Everyone who saw the whole church was filled with awe. When we do this, when we love people this way, it says something to the world that the world needs to see. Because the world knows something about kindness. The world knows how to be kind. We know how to be tolerant of others. We know how to be responsible, fair, trustworthy, you know, all these things up here. We know kindness. That's what the world knows. But Jesus talks about something more. You want to awe the world? Love people. And love is not just kindness recycled in Christianese. Love is more than kindness. Love takes a step beyond being kind. Kindness says, well, if I have time left, if I have something in excess in my life, if it doesn't inconvenience me too much, I'll be kind to you. That's what kindness says. Love says, I will give up what is mine for you. I will sacrifice for you. I will do something I will love you in such a way. I mean, this is why in Philippians chapter 2, Paul says, consider others more important than yourself. It's why Jesus says, love people. Love your neighbor as yourself, he says. Remember that? It's because love is more than kindness. You want the world to be in awe? We love people with the love of Christ. This is how we connect people to the body. The word, the fellowship, the breaking of bread, and the prayer. We love people. Now, I want you to see a, a video that we put together here. Um, this is Gary Bagby. Gary's at home right now because Gary broke his foot and he's been cooped up in his house since like January 20th and he's going nuts. And so uh, he, uh, he, he calls me and others at our church pretty regularly just to stay connected. But uh, right before Gary broke his foot, he had a chance to do an interview for our district. And uh, they sent me this footage. And I want you to see, get, we met Gary through Faith in Action Sunday when we went over to his house and put a sticky on his door. And, and uh, I want you to see what Gary has to say about Waukee Community Church. And so Lord willing, this video will work and we'll hear it. <laughs> and so watch this. found a sticker on the front door and I usually throw all those things in the trash but I read this one and it said uh, walking community church now I expected maybe four or five people well it's four or five started out but when they all got there it was 19 people they trimmed a crab apple tree that had been growing for 35 years uh, they mowed my lawn, they raked my lawn, they trimmed my lawn, they cleaned out the gutters, they washed the outside of the windows, weeded, weeded the, gar or the flowers. Unbelievable. I, I don't rarely have tears come down my eyes, but uh, I did that that afternoon. from the Lord for a long time. And uh, during my, a lot of my first year disability, I 
very depressed, I'm clinically depressed. Uh, there was a period of time I didn't go out of the house for nine months. And uh, yes, this is a much nicer feeling inside. Thank you for bringing me into the Waukee Community Church, and thank you for being my friend and not having any expectations of something in return. I can't help but see that video and just feel awesome about this church, you know? I titled the message, The Church is Awesome, because of that video. Uh, you know, to see a, a group of people who genuinely love other people, not just kindness, but love. I love that about us, that we're serious about this. So we connect people to our family, and we want to do more of it. But how do we do that? What, what's interesting is when we connect people to our family, when we do this, it changes our family, and it makes us better. So on that day of Pentecost so long ago, when the church went from 120 to 3,000, when that happened on that day, they brought people into their family, and they discipled them. But it changed the family. And it didn't change the family all at the same time. The second thing I want to talk about today is how does it change our family? Well, we keep connecting as the family of Christ. We bring people into our family and we keep connecting. So, all right, so look at verse 42. So the new, these new believers were devoted to the teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread and prayer. Everyone was filled with awe. Verse 44, all the believers were together and had everything in common. So now we're turning to a description of the entire church. Not just what the church did with those who it welcomed into the family, but now we're turning to what the whole church looked like. We're running a description of the whole church. What did they do? What did the early church look like? Well, in verse 44 and 45, the very first thing it said about the early church is that they shared all their possessions. Now, they weren't communists, right? They didn't establish a communist government where no one had any money and the government handled all their money. That's not what they did. We'll handle this to some, a lot more in chapter 4 because there's another description in chapter 4 of this. And when we get there, it's gonna, we're going to have a chance to handle what this church did monetarily with their possessions. But for now, it's enough to say that they took each other's needs seriously. And as the church, they worked together. Everyone said... My brother or sister is more important than me. So whatever I have, I'll freely help them. In verse 46, we, we continue then with this description of what the early church was like, all these believers. And uh, the very next thing we see after we realize that they shared their stuff and cared for each other's needs in verse 46, it says, Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. Every day. That word freaks most of us out. Every day. Are you serious? I have to go to church every single day? And, you know, believe me, if I have to write a message every single day, we're in trouble. Uh, 
Every single day, it scares most of us. But the real point here is not the everyday part. That's an important part is that the every day the believers were interacting, they were a vital part of their life. But the real important part of this verse is the part about the temple. Every day they met together in the temple. This is what Luke is trying to point out to us in this verse is the church. The early church was in a struggle for their identity to figure out who they were. Remember, they were all Jews. They'd all been raised in Jewish traditions. They'd all been raised with the sacrificial system. They'd all been raised with the rules and the laws and the Mosaic law. They'd all been raised in this environment. And they had been raised going to the temple. And so the early church was trying to figure out who they were. Were they a sect of Judaism or were they something else? And so they went and they immersed themselves in God. They went to the temple because that's the place that made sense for them. They went to the temple because they wanted to learn more about how Jesus is the fulfillment of everything God has been talking about through the Old Testament. They immersed themselves in God. And that's one of the things that we continue to do at Waukee Community Church. And I love it. We continue to say in life groups, we want to focus on the Word of God. In our Sunday mornings, we want to focus on the Word of God. In our children's ministry, we want to, there's a focus on the Word of God. Everywhere we work, the Word of God is present. I love it. We're far from perfect. <laughs> there are other churches that do things a lot better than we do. Fair enough. That's true. But... We have a group of people who love to immerse themselves in what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And I love that. We have a group of people here who care deeply about following Jesus. It matters. We're in a culture where we're filled with consumers. Everywhere we go, we're raised to be consumers. You're just taught it. Every ad is focused and targeted at you. You know, I mean, uh, right now I'm, I changed gas stations because Hy-Vee gas is more convenient to come and go. And I kind of feel like I'm cheating on come and go a little bit, but you know, I'm a consumer. So I'm raised to do what's more convenient for me. And what I love at Waukee Community Church is we have a whole group of men and women who are saying, I don't want, the gospel isn't really about consumerism. I want more than that. I want more than just getting my needs met. I want to be a follower of Jesus. They, were, they want to immerse themselves. And I love that. There's something about discipleship. It's sort of an invitation to come and die with Jesus. And I love that about our church. We're serious about it. It's amazing. And I'm watching it happen in each other's lives. This is the point of the temple in every day. They wanted to figure out how to immerse themselves in ways to be more like God through Jesus. The other thing we see in verse 46 is this aspect of community life in the local church. Every day they continue to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts. There's this community life aspect that we already saw. We're trying to bring people into this, but the church, as we do this together, it's beautiful. And this is why the early church spent time in homes, at meals, at the temple. They needed each other. Do you want something radical to happen in your life? Do you want God to do something amazing? One of the ways to do that is spend time with believers who want something radical to happen in their life. Just spend time with them. Go find somebody who loves God and who loves Jesus and wants something radical to happen in your life and it'll rub off on you. It's a big washing machine, right? It's that sort of thing. Um, right now in our church, 
uh, if you hang out with people, you'll probably end up adopting a kid, right? Because, you know, like, <laughs> the bug is everywhere. I love it. It's amazing. It's wonderful. Uh, in, in that vision team, one of the things they did is they wrote a description for who our church is, and, and our, the average age is some, such and such, and, and the average number of kids is 3.1, and they put a note on there, one of whom is adopted, <laughs> you know? And I, I, I love it. As we spend time, we rub off on each other. It's great. The fishes right now just brought home a, a, a little boy from Utah, Cameron, and, and they're home just celebrating in their family. I love it. You better be careful. You might catch it. <laughs> you know, we need community. We live in an isolated world. Our vision team was just identified. What is Waukee? Waukee is a group of marginalized people. Um, we have the marginalized here. We have the forgotten, the ones that have been left behind, the ones that are you know, stuck somewhere in some sort of apartment complex where they're not even interacting with their neighbors. We have, we have other communities too. We have those things. We have people in half a million dollar homes that raise the garage door, pull in the garage, close the garage door before they have a chance to interact with any neighbors because they don't want it or they don't know how. We have people that are just in this community, this bedroom community, that are living total isolation. And what I love about the church is the church, this church, longs to meet the hurting needs of this community. Wherever you're at, you're welcome here. And I love that. So if you're at a place where Sundays is all you can muster, okay, awesome. You're welcome here. But you need to know we're going to probably be challenging you towards more. Wherever you're at, we're glad. That's awesome. We want to challenge you though. Jesus, he wants more. He wants your life. He wants you in community. We're glad you're here. This is a picture of the early church and community. It's this picture of the hurting needs of the world. Whoever's hurting, come. Jesus says, my yoke is easy, my burden's light. Come. That's where you are. We welcome you. And that's amazing. And I love this church because of that. We connect, we equip, we send. And in the end, we blossom together into followers of Jesus. And what's the result of that? Of all that, verse 46, they did it with glad and sincere hearts. These people were full of life and joy. It's amazing. It's awesome. This blossoming together is amazing. Life together is wonderful. It's joyful. Uh, my life group didn't meet for six weeks from December to January because everyone keeps rotating sicknesses. And so even though we didn't uh, want to get each other sick, we all got sick at different times anyway. And so we should have just met. But, you know, after six weeks, it was, I, I was giddy the next day we got to, I was like a little kid running around. We got life group tonight. Woo! I mean, there was this just joy and celebration when our house lit up again with people. And there was hugs and food and fellowship. And we opened to First Peter together. And it was just awesome. We just loved it. That's glad and sincere hearts. And then worship happens out of this. They praised God. It was an overflow. Verse 47, they praised God with glad and sincere hearts. Like this is, this is this beautiful picture. Now at Waukee Community Church... Um, that's interesting because we have our way of expressing worship with glad and sincere hearts. When I was in India, uh, it was this thing that made me completely uncomfortable. I'm preaching to 500 
Indian pastors. And uh, I'm getting translated twice. And uh, I can't speak a lick to any of these Indian pastors. But after, after the, one of the sessions, they had a worship jam. And uh, all these Indian pastors from southern India got together and they formed circles. And they're doing this crazy screaming, dancing thing that, I mean, you know, no one wants to see me do this, right? But apparently they wanted to see me do this. So these guys drug me in and they, they grabbed my hands and they interlocked fingers with me, which just weirded me out. But uh, here I am, interlocked fingers with their guys dancing in a circle, doing this stuff that I had no business doing. But man, was there joy in that room. I wish I was in better shape. You know, as we're dancing around this circle, I'm exhausted and sweating like a, you know, crazy. And, and so there was joy. There was joy around the gospel and being together and celebrating this life together. And man, I love that about the church. I love that the church all over the place. You know, we don't probably dance and scream and, and run around at Waukee Community Church, but I see it some days when we're singing and I'm looking out as I'm leading worship and I see and I catch a few of you. And I see your eyes and I see your face. And I see that with glad and sincere hearts, you're telling God how great he is and how much you love the gospel. And I love that. All this stuff points to this beautiful community. And I love that about our church. The amazing thing about this is, though, community is not inward focused. Sometimes when we focus on community so much, we sort of get like circle the wagons we sort of get uh, clickish, right? We sort of start to think about us and what we want. And, and that's the, that was not the result of community for the early church. Look what happened. They praised God. They enjoyed the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. I love it. The community done right is not inward focused. It's outward focused. All of this stuff. Is focused on the glory of Jesus. We bring people into community. We connect them as the body of Christ. And we send each other back to the worlds around us in which we live with the good news of the kingdom of Jesus. I got excited. It's like I love being a part of a church that wants this message. So as we've been thinking about our church, and you know, it's been a hard year for our church, for individuals collectively as we think about our church and where we're going and what we're doing this illustration came to my mind um you guys know that uh we had our first wave of kids together and then we had the second wave and uh i remember after benjamin our fourth child was born the last of the first wave uh we were both ready to not have any more children and uh and so we were tired, and, and when I say we, I mean my wife, because she's awesome and amazing, uh, but she was worn out. And so uh, we said, you know, quiver's full, we're done. Uh, about three years after that, after Benjamin was born, Clarissa said to me, Dave, I don't know if we're done yet. And I said to her, oh, stop that, we're done. And so, you know, about six months later, Dave, I don't know if we're done yet. No, I'm pretty sure we're done, Clarissa. And uh, finally she said, Dave, okay, here's the deal. I'm praying that God will either change your heart or he'll change my heart. And so I said, well, that's great. He's going to change your heart. So I'm so happy to hear that, right? And so we went through that whole deal. And I'll never forget one afternoon, it was a spring day, and I just finished WrestleMania at home with the kids. 
And uh, I mean, it was awesome. We were in the living room and we got all these kids throwing each other around. And I'm constantly yelling at Nick, be careful, you're twice their size, you know. And so uh, we're, we're having this WrestleMania. And there's just so much joy in our home. And so then we went for a walk. And uh, we walked down. And, and I'll never forget in that spring day, just being totally in love with our family. And uh, I walked down on the, on the walking trail. And there was this uh, mom and dad pushing a stroller with a kid in it. And for the first time, I went, uh-oh, <laughs> you know. And my thought, honestly, was I love our family so much that I want to bring more into our family. And so now we have Malachi crying over there and, and Livy added to our family. And it's just this beautiful picture of our family. And I was thinking about that story and thinking, Man, that's the body of Christ. Whereas we love our family, because we are a family. We love so much that we want others to be part of this. And so, I mean, I know other families, you know, whether it be are on the same journey with us with their families, whether it be through adoption or other ways, it's really fun and amazing to see. My vision and my prayer is that the community and family that we get to experience together, that we would love this so much that we say, I want to bring somebody else into this. I want to connect someone else with the teaching of the Word of God, the fellowship, the breaking of bread, prayer. I want to bring someone else in to this thing because the church is just awesome. It really is. We live at Acts 2 in so many ways, and the question is, do you love someone else enough to bring them into this family? Do you love someone enough to say, in our life group, there's this family, you got to come be see this and be part of this. Do you love someone enough to say, I'll bring you into my family or to this greater family? Or how much is there this passion? And that is what I love about Waukee Community Church. The church is awesome. Um, Jeff is going to come right now and close us in prayer. Um, and so as he comes, I want to invite our ushers down. We'll take the, the morning offering. And as, as Jeff closes us in prayer, I want to encourage you to take this time and just settle in your hearts and say, yes, I agree. I love our family. And ask what God would have you do with that. Jeff, would you pray with us?